1 John chapter 5, we'll be there in just a moment. Repeatedly in our studies here in 1 John, we've, we've seen the Bible pointing to three witnesses, three declarations, three witnesses of the genuine believer's profession of faith. There have been three witnesses, or we might call them three proofs, or even we might call them three tests shown to us of the genuineness of a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. These tests throughout 1 John have been called by some the doctrinal, the moral, and the social tests. Let me explain. One of the tests John has been pointing to is the doctrinal test. It's the test of your doctrine, whether or not you believe what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. A doctrine is important, it is very important, it's vitally important, especially the culture that we live in that is so shifting and wishy-washy, and even many churches are beginning to waffle on the foundational doctrines of the Bible that we dare not go there. We, we must rest on the foundation of the Word of God. Doctrine is important. What do you believe about the Lord Jesus Christ? And then when we know what God's Word says, we should proclaim it boldly because that is what the, desperate, the world desperately needs to hear. John has also been pointing to the moral test, which is whether you obey God's Word Having a good doctrine, having a firm foundation on the Word of God is essential. But we better, we better obey God's Word also. The world around us needs to see that we take obedience ourselves to the Word of God very seriously. We aren't those who proclaim this is the way you should live while pointing one finger at the world and three fingers at ourselves. We should be proclaiming that this is how we should live. We should demonstrate to the world that God's word is powerful and active, is a sharper, two-edged sword of the word that pierces our souls and does heart surgery in our lives and changes us from the inside out so that they know by the evidence of our lives that, that God is at work in his people and that the Lord Jesus Christ lives and saves. Obedience. He's also been pointing to the social test, which is the test of how you love one another in the church. In the bonds of Christian fellowship, do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ as God's word commands that you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? The social test. Love one another. If you claim to be a believer in Jesus, each of those three witnesses, each of those three tests is important. And they point to whether you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ or not. Are you truly a believer in Jesus Christ? We ought not cringe from the challenge of 1 John. We ought to take it seriously and thank God for it. Because self-examination is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Are you truly a believer in Jesus Christ? If not, if not, you've got some serious business to take care of. Because God is calling you to believe in His Son and be saved. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you fail to meet the tests, then God's Word is calling to you to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved. So we turn to 1 John chapter 5 and verses 6 through 12, and we find here something different. In this passage, John brings a three-part witness not about the genuineness of your faith, 
But he brings a three-part witness about the object of your faith. The object of your faith is Jesus Christ. Or should I say the object of your faith should be Jesus Christ. If the object of your faith is anyone else or anything else, this self-examination is going to be essential for you. You may come to the point where you realize you need to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ. You might come to the point where you believe, where you find that you have not been living in obedience to God's word. Though you declare that you're a believer in Christ and you, and you wholeheartedly proclaim that you believe in Christ, you might find that you have been disobedient. And of that, you need to repent and begin obeying. Because the object of your faith is critical. The object of your faith is just as important as the fact that you need to have faith. It's not, it's not that you just need to have faith. You need to have faith in the object of faith. And the object of faith must be Jesus Christ. This is what the Bible proclaims. This is what we see in the threefold testimony shown to us in the verses before us this morning. First John chapter 5, go to verse 6 and follow along in your Bible as I read. First John 5, verse 6 through verse 12. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So the Bible is showing you this three-part witness. This is God's three-part witness about Jesus Christ. This is God the Father's three-part witness about God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God's three-part testimony about who Jesus is, makes very clear that your relationship to God the Father is only possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to be right with God, you've got to know God the Son. If you you want to be right with God the Father, you need to put your faith and trust in God the Son and in Him alone. It seems specifically in verses 7 and 8, but I want to read again verses 6, 7, and 8. I know I just read them, but listen to them again and listen to them very carefully. This is He who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies. Because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. God's three-part witness about the reality of God the Son is the Spirit 
We see it here, right? The Spirit, the water, and the blood. It's important that you know who Jesus is. And it's important that you believe who God says Jesus is. Why that is important is seen in the first few verses of chapter 5, which we looked at last week, where we see this statement in verse 1. Go back up to verse 1 and look at the statement in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. How do you become a true child of God? You must believe that Jesus is the Christ. You must believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You must believe that Jesus is the one who came to save you from your sins because you cannot save yourselves. You must believe God when he says that Jesus Christ is the Savior, is the Messiah. We also see this in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, the God the Son? He believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Who is it that overcomes? Who is it that has the ability to say no to sin is the idea. It is the one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ because the one who believes is born of God. And we need to understand that to mean that that person is born again and is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves into the believer's life and takes up permanent residence. So not only will the true child of God believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but the true child of God will believe that Jesus is also the Son of God. So what John is doing here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, again, I keep saying that John is writing this and John is writing that, but all of this, he's being moved along by the Holy Spirit to write these things for the church, for God's people, and for those who need Christ. And so what John is doing here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is to make clear the evidence to lay out the three-part witness of God the Father about God the Son. The witness is that the coming of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was real. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't someone from someone's imagination. This was real. This is real. Verse 6 says, This is he who came by water and blood. Those things are real. This is the same thing that John did at the very beginning of 1 John. Back in chapter 1. You want to turn back there with me in your Bible? 1 John chapter 1. And look at verses 1 through 3 where the Bible says, 1 John 1 verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John is dealing with something that is very real. There were eyewitnesses to this being very real. John is dealing with what's real, knowing that will help you understand this passage. 
How can you come to know who Jesus is and to understand that he is the Son of God? How can you know? How can you come to understand this? God doesn't require of you blind faith. I think sometimes we're mistaken when we think this just requires blind faith. We live by faith, not by sight. Well, that's right from the Bible, isn't it? But there are times when God gives us sight. He gives us things to behold and see. And yes, there are times when we must take God's word at face value. Take God at his word and take a step of faith not knowing the outcome because we trust the one who holds the outcome. We trust the one who holds the beginning. But there are times when God gives us sight to see to behold, to believe, to to encourage our faith, to strengthen our faith. How can you come to know who Jesus is and to understand that he's the Son of God? God doesn't require of us blind faith in this matter. He gives you something real, very real. Verses 6 and 8 point to the water and the blood. And those verses also speak of the Spirit. And the spirit and the water and the blood all testify. Now you cannot see the water, but or you cannot see the spirit, but you do see water and blood if you know it. I mean, you you see water, you know what water looks like, you know what blood looks like. You do not know what the spirit looks like. But still, we're talking about something that's very real here, as evidenced by the water and the blood that the spirit points to. These these witnesses, this three part witness of God about Jesus is is real. And the Spirit points to and testifies to the first two parts, the water and the blood. So again, how can you know who Jesus is? You might have someone ask you that question. Oh, you're a believer? You believe the Bible's true? How do you know who Jesus is? How do you know? You have the Bible showing you the testimony of the water which points to the fact of Jesus' water baptism. And I think the answer to the question often asked is, how do you know who Jesus is, or how can you believe, or how do you know this is to be true? I think the best answer is to say, the Bible says. <laughs> the Bible says, you don't, need, you don't need to come up with your own clever schemes. You need to tell people what the Bible says. Because the word is powerful and effective. It is active. It's a sharp to edge sword that the Holy Spirit promises to use. And so if someone says to you, how do you know? Or maybe your heart says to you, how do we know? How do you know who Jesus is? God wants you to turn to his word as we're looking today and say to ourselves, the Bible says this. This three-part witness of God about Jesus is real. The Spirit points to and testifies to the first two parts, the water and the blood. You have the Bible showing you the testimony of the water. Now, what is the water? What's this speaking of? The water is pointing to the fact of of the water baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's pointing to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ walked down into the water and was baptized. His baptism testifies to the truth of his humanity. We say, well, the Lord Jesus Christ came in the flesh. We celebrate that at Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Christ. But God intended also to show his humanity. Did Jesus Christ need to be baptized? Was he a sinner in need of recognizing his need for salvation? No, he was sinless. But he walked down into the water 
Just like he came to earth lowering himself to the station of manhood, taking on human flesh, he passed through the waters of baptism, showing himself in his humanity. His baptism testifies to the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ was God in human flesh. Testified to by the fact that we see see in that account of his baptism, the dove, the the Holy Spirit, the symbol of the Holy Spirit on him, testifying to, to his godness. God in human flesh. So the baptism testifies to the truth of his humanity. So does the blood. The blood also testifies to the humanity of the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that the blood points to his death. His baptism and his death Not only does his birth point to his humanity as God in human flesh, but his baptism, his death, points to the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And John is saying that if you will look at what was revealed about Jesus Christ in both the reality of his water baptism and in the reality of his physical death, then you will understand that the Holy Spirit is making clear to you personally who Jesus is. This argument was especially important for the believers in John's day. They were dealing with a couple of different kinds of heresy. There were some coming along saying that Jesus was the Christ only between the time of his baptism and death. His baptism made him the Christ, and right before his death he lost, he lost, he lost his, his godness. He was not God in human flesh before his death. Or they were saying that Jesus was the Christ before his baptism. But he ceased to be the Christ before his death. Either way, this would have meant that he was not God the Son at Calvary. And the the Bible says something very different. The Bible declares very clearly something different. If if it were true that that the Lord Jesus Christ were not God, God the Son at Calvary, then it would mean that Jesus could not have taken on himself the penalty for sinners, which the Bible makes very clear that he has. Had he not been God the Son at the cross, he could not have carried the punishment for sinners, but he did. And this truth is just as important for believers today as it was for believers in John's day. It's important that believers understand this and be able to declare declare to unbelievers, those who ask, who is Jesus? Was he really God? You can say the Bible says that he was, he is And so John points to the water, which refers to Jesus' baptism, at which he was declared to be the Son of God. And he points to the blood, which refers to Jesus' sacrificial death. And this is an important testimony, because if Jesus was not the Son of God, then his death is insufficient for the forgiveness of sins, which opposes what the Bible says about Jesus. We have the reality We have the reality of Jesus' baptism and the reality of his death. And we have also this third part of the testimony. We have the witness of the Spirit in our hearts to believe. I want you to look at verse 9 again. 
if we receive the testimony of men, in other words, if you believe what men say when they testify in a court of law, if you believe someone who comes along and says, I swear, if you believe them, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater For this is the testimony of God that He has borne concerning His Son. The Bible is arguing that if you will accept and be convinced by the testimony of of a human being in a court of law or, or, or your neighbor claiming something to be true, if you'll take His word for it, my word, if you'll believe them, if you'll believe someone in human flesh, you should believe God, the Creator of the universe. The testimony that the Holy Spirit gives to you that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, is God's testimony. This is God the Father speaking, testifying about God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to note the results of the three-part witness of God the Father for God the Son. Because there should be some results. There should be some outcome. If we look to God in faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we look to His Son and believe that He was the complete and acceptable sacrifice for sinners, and He is. Note the results of the three-part witness of God the Father for God the Son. The results, the outcome of the witness about Christ should be your faith. Your faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. There's something special taking place in the heart of the person who believes in Jesus. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. The response to the testimony of God is either belief or unbelief. The first part of verse 10 is about the believer. The believer is the person who has accepted the testimony of God about God the Son. And the confidence of a believer rests not merely in the Son, but in what the Father testifies about the Son. So belief is the first stepping stone to more faith. We're like the man who came to Jesus asking for him to heal his son. And Jesus said his, his plea had been answered. And he said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Belief is the first stepping stone to more belief, more faith. When you believe, whoever believes, look at verse 10 again. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. This is a supernatural work of God in the heart, in the mind, in the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. It is not something that we see, but it is something that we should experience as believers in Jesus Christ, that we find we have growing faith. We find we have more faith than we did before. 
God is faithful and generous and gracious. The Lord Jesus Christ is so good to give you more faith when you put your faith in Him. But verse 10 also addresses the person who disbelieves. The person who argues with you about what the Bible says. People who disbelieve God's testimony about Jesus also remove the possibility of further belief. They make it harder for themselves to believe later. If you disbelieve God's first testimony about Jesus, you make him out to be a liar. And this is serious business. And for you, it becomes harder to believe. Today, that's why the scriptures tell us today is the day of salvation. If you're thinking about believing, believe today. Don't keep thinking about it. Don't keep considering it. Don't keep putting it off because you're having trouble believing. Put your faith in the testimony of God the Father about God the Son. And God will show up. He will pour His Spirit into your life and He will give you more faith. Salvation through Christ is impossible without faith. And note the blessings that await you who believe. Verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. This is the testimony. Here's the witness. God gave you eternal life if you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ because life is in His Son. The testimony of God in our hearts leads to life. And not just what we think of as eternal life, which we often put off in the distance. Many of us want to experience eternal life, but we're just not quite ready for it. But we're experiencing that eternal life now. We've been saved. We've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The completely sufficient blood, shed blood of Jesus Christ has saved us eternally. We're still caring about these earthly tents that are falling apart. But we've begun eternal life. The testimony of God in our hearts leads to life. Without faith, there is no eternal life. The blessing begins when you receive, when you believe in Jesus. And for eternal life to be yours, you must believe in the Son. You see, the purpose for the witness of God about Jesus is so that you may believe and that believing you may have eternal life, believing that you may be saved. Eternal life is in the Son. And the Bible says in verse 12, look at verse 12 again, whoever has the Son has life. Believer, beloved, rejoice in that truth. Rejoice in that truth. Revel in that truth. Whoever has the Son has life. Are you doing battle with sin and temptation? If you have a pulse and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're doing battle with sin and temptation every day. Whoever has the Son has life. You've been saved from the enslavement of your sins. You've been saved from the bondage of your sins. Rejoice in that truth. Revel in that truth. Whoever has the Son has life. Praise God from whom all blessings flow.
Because there is no greater blessing in life, in this life, than to know that we have been forgiven our sins and saved eternally because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. That truth should empower us to live each day with joy, come what may. Whatever we face, we can rejoice in knowing that whoever has the Son has life. But if you're looking at verse 12, you know that's not the rest of the verse. There is more. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you believe in Jesus, the Bible tells you that you have the Son. And if you have the Son, you have eternal life. But the Bible also gives the warning here. Once again, there's a warning here. People who do not believe do not have the Son. And if you do not have the Son, you do not have eternal life. This should be sobering for us who believe. And we all know people who do not believe. This should be sobering for us in, in the measure that we, we read the, the Bible to know who God is so that when we're asked about the reason for our hope that we have ready answers. Not formulaic answers, but answers that just flow from us because we know God's word and we take great hope and confidence in the Bible that he has given us to assure us, to comfort us, to encourage us, to train us, to correct us, and then to give us words to testify along with the threefold witness of God's word. Testify to the real truth, the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ and who he is. The Bible makes it very clear that there is no middle ground when it comes to what you believe about Jesus. This should be sobering to those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would take seriously the opportunities that we have to influence others toward Christ. We cannot save anyone, but we can shine the light. We can hold the flashlight on Jesus, so to speak. We can turn the lights on in the room, so to speak, so that people can see who Jesus is by way of our testimony and by our, by our lives that are pursuing a life of obedience to God and His Word. Because there's no neutral ground. There are a lot of people that you and I would look at in this world and say, they're really good people. They're really good. And yet, what the Bible says is even their goodness is as filthy rags when it comes to earning their salvation. They cannot earn their salvation. There is no one, says the Bible, that's without sin. Everyone is in need of saving. No person, no good person you know is is sinless. And if they choose not to choose, they've chosen against God. Because there is no neutral ground. So John boldly proclaims that any other way of seeing Jesus other than the way that God has testified of Jesus is making God out to be a liar. Any other way of seeing Jesus is not being neutral about him as in, it's okay for you to believe, but that's not for me. That is why the doctrine of this church is so vital. That is why as your 
pulpit committee works and labors together to to form a, a biblical basis and foundation for choosing who the next pastor is that they present to you to decide upon, to be your next pastor. The, the doctrine of this church is so important. Who who that person is is so important that they, they devote themselves to the Word of God, that they proclaim the truths of Scriptures confidently and with boldness, even when opposed, because there is no middle ground. The doctrine that we believe about the Lord Jesus Christ is vital, not only to our own spiritual lives, but to the spiritual lives of people around us. It's critical that we hold fast to the truth about who Jesus is in a shifting, changing, upside-down, topsy-turvy culture that we're finding ourselves in these days. Who among us isn't disturbed by what we see in the news and say, what in the world is going on? And yet we have confidence to live by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because we have the witness of God's Word pointing us to the testimony of God, to God the Son, and who He is and that He saves And this is vital so that the world will hear the truth from you and from me and see the truth that Jesus saves and changes and is growing us in Christ-likeness as his church. You either embrace the testimony from the Father about Jesus and believe and embrace the Son and receive him as Savior and Lord or you reject him and you reject eternal life and you choose to stand before him to be judged by him in the last day. That's serious. We have an important responsibility as God's people, don't we? We have an important task at hand. This is, this is the most serious thing that we do every week when we gather together with God's people, not only to, to be proclaimed, to hear the proclamation of the word of truth, not only for the preacher to proclaim the truth, but for, for the church to receive the truth that God proclaims to us from his word so that we are equipped and prepared and ready to live lives that are being changed before the watching world so that not only can can they have an opportunity to hear us proclaim the witness of the word that God shows us in in the testimony of his son but also that they might see that this is real in our own lives that they might accuse this church of being filled with hypocrites, but it may not be true. May that be our our desire, that, that anyone would call, call us hypocrites would, would be clueless because they really don't know us yet. Because we take seriously the word of God, we apply it to our own hearts, our own lives. We take steps to obey so that we can glorify God, so that we can enjoy his joy and peace, and so that others will know him and glorify him with us. In the Gospel of John, here's a brief summary of this statement seen here in 1 John. The verses we're looking at here in 1 John are really a detailed explanation of this truth that I want to read to you from John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20 and verse 31, where the Bible says, But these are written. Talking about the Bible. These are written. The scriptures you hold in your hands, the Bible, the written word of God you hold in your hands. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. 
the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Someone says, how do you know who Jesus is? You say, the Bible says in John chapter 20 and verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Can I tell you about that life? In 1 John 5.11, we've seen the Bible make clear that this is God's testimony about Jesus, and this is the precious gift of God found through faith in the Son. It's the gift of eternal life. That's for all who believe, and all who believe should rejoice in this. To believe in the testimony about Jesus Christ. To believe in the gospel testimony. To believe in what the Bible says about Jesus Christ is eternal life. We ought not ever take that lightly. And these wonderful truths bear repeating in our lives, I would argue, on a daily basis. Bringing ourselves back to these wonderful truths that there is life in the Son. We have God's help. We have God's word. We have his Holy Spirit at work in us with his word, empowering us, enabling us to live in obedience to God's word, even even imperfect as we are, even as we deal with moments of failure where we sin and we must repent and turn back to obedience. We are not living without hope. We have great hope because we have Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, these are truths that you should be standing firm on and taking great comfort in and finding great joy in and great courage in for your life lived for Jesus, for your lips speaking for Jesus. If you have not believed, the most important thing for you to do today is to repent before God in prayer that you are a sinner in need of saving. Admit what the Bible says about you is true. Believe in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in the Son, and you will have forgiveness of sins. You will have eternal life in the Son. I hope that's our desire as a church, that we would long for people to come to Christ. Even people who come and take up place with us in our midst and who come to church and, and find some commonality with us and because maybe they're missing something or they feel like they need something. Maybe that describes you today and you realize that what you're hearing, you, you need desperately to believe in Jesus Christ. I, I call you to do that, to repent and believe in him today and be saved. You can do that right where you sit in the quietness of your heart. Believers. Believers, if you've forgotten this truth, if you go through days and weeks and months without reveling in this truth, turn back to this wonderful truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and live with the encouragement that God intends for you to have. Live with the joy that God intends for you to have. He will not step in and snatch you out of life's difficulties, but this joy is for your daily living, knowing that in Christ you are His. You are kept. You are secure. These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 